Uh, I want us to open our Bibles tonight. We will not be in a specific text, um, so if that bothers you, I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, we're going to be dealing with this thought, a Bible-fashioned. Bible-fashioned. And uh, we're going to be uh, kind of talking about some practical things. I thought we might be able to get through this entire thing tonight, uh, but in um, trying to put it all together, I realize we won't. Uh, we'll barely get done with the very first thing. But um, often I have been asked, I, I've heard these questions being asked, why do you still have old-fashioned services? Um, not only that, but uh, I've heard, I'm not used to small churches. Then I've heard statements and questions that says, why don't you just modernize your services a little bit? Make a little change here and uh, you'll have more people. Well, um, I, I, I've been guilty of that. And uh, yeah, we did have more people, but the more people that was uh, in the building, the less power of God. And so uh, if you'll if you'll just bear with me, I'm just going to share my heart tonight. Uh, I have been on the other side of this thing, and so I have some experience in it. But I, I got to thinking over the course of the week, why do we do the things that we do? Now, y'all help me. I feel like I'm pretty, pretty schooled in this. We, we come in on Sunday, Sunday in the morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We come in and we start the services off with prayer. We start the services off with maybe taking up offering, giving tithes, taking offering, giving the missions offering, uh, the camp meeting offering. We, so we do those. Then we sing a few songs like we just did. Brother Nathan did a good job, didn't he? So we start off with singing most of the time. Even on Wednesday nights, we have special singing. But then uh, we start preaching. And usually, if there's no preaching, there's usually a substitute and it's testifying. And then from there, typically, we have an invitation song. And uh, we sing and we do an altar call. And we ask folks to come to the altar if God's dealt with their heart. And then normally that's all. But then there's one other facet of our our church is we like to fellowship. We like to eat. Y'all be okay saying amen tonight. We like to have time where we can get around the tables. And I find it so comical. I'm telling you, I find it comical. Y'all are doing so much better. But there are only certain people that sit at certain tables. And on on this side, all except the the Salter and the Gray and maybe the Pace family, everybody else is segregated. You got the men on this side and then you got the women on the other side. And I think maybe... Maybe some of the young ones, they, they don't care about rules. They just break them, whatever they can do. No, but I, I just find it so peculiar. And then you have this certain group of ladies. They always sit together. And then you have some that they'll... they'll and, and this is kind of the way I am. I'll sit at this table for a little while. And then I'll sit at this one. And then I'll, I'll kind of go... But there's, there's another element, and that's fellowship. And so I begin to think, why do we do this? 
I've heard people say, well, you're just in a rut. You do the same thing over and over again. Sometimes, Brother Eric, I could see that. Some people would say, and I'll be the first one to tell you, I hate tradition. Brother Jim, I hate tradition. If it was up to me for... For as long as I've been part of the family, everybody from Georgia had to go to Tennessee to have Thanksgiving and to have Christmas. Bless God. I say we do away with tradition and let's get barbecue on Thanksgiving in Georgia. Somebody from Tennessee help me and say amen right there. I say we move everybody down here. That'd be alright. But people say, well, you're just in a rut or that's just tradition. And I can see both sides of those things, but... I want to spend what what appears is going to be the next several weeks telling Lighthouse Baptist Church why we worship, why our, I don't even know what a, what a title is, why we worship the way we do. Why do we pray? Why do we tithe? Why do we sing? Why do we preach? Why do we give an invitation or an altar call? Why do we... Every single one of those things, whether you call it a rut or tradition, is based in Bible. Every single one of them. Now, I could call out some other things that are being done, not in this church, but in other churches, that are not found in the King James Bible. They might be found in something else. But typically speaking, they're not found in the Bible. So, let's start tonight. Y'all still with me? Brother Langston said, I I don't remember if it was back in June or July. But he says, I'm about tired of saying I'm old-fashioned. He said, I think I'm going to quit saying I'm old-fashioned. And he had me scared, Samuel. I said, "Uh uh-oh, man of God, 87 years old, finna... Fit a compromise right here. He said, he said, I'm tired of saying I'm old fashioned. He said, there's too many people saying that they're old fashioned and going the wrong way. He said, I'm just going to start saying I'm Bible fashioned. He said, if it's found in the Bible, that's what I'm against. If it's found in the Bible, that's what I'm for. And so tonight I just titled the message or this study, whatever it's going to be, Bible fashioned. As we look, first of all, first element of our service normally is prayer. Let's look over in Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6. We're going to be uh, trying our best to travel as much as we can tonight. I'd like to go until about 7.20. That'll give a little leeway for casseroles and things of that sort. Matthew chapter 6. If we were to turn over to verse number 5, Scriptures, and and later on in this study, especially with giving, we'll come back to chapter number 6. But in verse number 5, it says, When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Let's stop reading right there. 
about prayer. Why do we do, why do we have prayer on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday? Now, why do we start our services with prayer? Well, let's, let's look. If you're taking notes, I'm going to try to be as, as helpful as possible. Let's look first of all that Jesus taught it. This is not a happenstance that we do. Jesus here in chapter number 6 of the book of Matthew, Jesus is teaching about prayer. He is, if you will, He's preaching about prayer. And He's telling us what we ought not do. And He's giving us some instruction on what we should do. He says, I'm just going to kind of bring a few of these things out and you'll see how that they may uh, may contradict some of the things that we do. And so let's look first. He says, when thou prayest, don't be like the hypocrites. He said, they love to pray standing in the synagogues. Can y'all tell me what Brother Jim and what Brother Nick did tonight when they prayed? They stood. Now, you men, y'all don't get scared, okay? Listen. They were standing in the synagogues, and they were standing on the street corners, but they weren't doing it in obedience to God. They weren't doing it in humility. They were standing on a prominent corner. They were dressed in their best. They were as straight as a board. They were saying all of the best words that their vocabulary could afford. And they continued to say these words. And Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites and stand uh, in the streets. Don't be like the hypocrites and stand in the synagogues and in the corners that you may be seen of men. And so tonight as we ask you, and and uh, most of the time, especially right now when we're starting our service the way that we are, I ask you to stand when you pray. Now normally, what do we do when we pray? Normally, we bow down and pray. We, we tell you at the close of the service, you come down and bow on this old altar. If you can't do this, kneel where you are. Kneel in your pews. And I believe that's kind of a posture of prayer is kneeling. Any, any time you normally see a, um, a depiction of someone praying, they are normally, uh, excuse me, they are normally kneeling in some way, some form or fashion. But Jesus says, don't stand. But I believe he says this. If I can, I don't want to take away from the scripture, but he says, don't stand that you may be seen. You see, our folks, as we, as we ask them to stand and pray, it's not so everybody can see what they're wearing. It's not so everybody can see uh, how good they look, but it's, it's a, there's a practical reason. We ask you to stand. So that people can hear you. One exception to this is Brother Jody. This is not a hype joke, Brother Jody. I promise you. I asked Brother Jody to pray the other night. He said, Dear Lord, Heavenly Father. He started whispering. Brother John, I couldn't hear him at all. And he was standing right in front of me. Now, I'm not getting on to you, brothers. You, you, you just pray, all right? But when, when these folks stand and pray in our congregation, it's not to be seen, uh, but it, there's a practical reason so they can be heard throughout the church. But even as they pray, and they're kind of praying on command, I said, Nick, won't you stand and pray? Even in that, gentlemen, ladies, as you pray, I want you to remember that this is an intimate time between you and God. 
This should be a time when everybody else is gone. And it's just you and God. Oh, I understand. The pressure's on. You've been asked to pray in public. Pressure's on. You've been asked to pray. And you know you've heard this person pray. And you got to pray in front of them. Or you got to pray behind them. And, and oh Lord, what am I going to say? I don't, I don't know if i got the right words. I don't know if I'm smart enough to pray. I don't know about all this kind of stuff. I can't do this. I can't do this. And then we get there and we get all tongue-tied. I've been there. All the time I've been there. I just stand on the front porch. I've been there that often, Miss Hannah. But I want to encourage you tonight as we stand, not to stand to be seen, in our case, stand to be heard. But the reason we do this is because there's communication with God and we're asking God to bring His presence into our midst. Another thing Jesus says here, He says when you, when you pray, don't, don't stand to be seen. But He says, when you pray, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, thy door, He said, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So, He, he uses this word secret. He says, you ought to pray in secret. And I firmly believe that. I, I think, I, I, I believe tonight that if we're truly going to be a prayer warrior, uh, that is in secret. It's not necessarily out where everybody can hear us. To be a true, uh, uh, a soldier of the faith and to, and to fight the battles on our knees, it's not out where everybody can see and hear us, but it is in the, the closet. It is in uh, the behind closed doors. And Jesus says, you need to do this today. It is a great example. It's a great admonishment uh, for us to pray in secret. However, in the context of the message tonight, there are oftentimes we ask you to join uh, in prayer around the altar or maybe someone will come and I'm going to try to teach you this again. Uh, someone will come. Let's just say, for instance, Brother Jody comes tonight. He's got a burden for his wife, he's got a burden for his daughter. Both are not feeling well, and he's he's burdened, so he comes and prays. My belief is that the church needs to gather around him and bolster him or to lift him up, to strengthen him, and to pray around him. And so that's why occasionally someone will come down, whether it's a man or a woman. If it's a man, I'll say some of you men come down and pray. You know what some of you men do? You stay in your seat because you're scared to death to come to the altar and pray with somebody. I'm going to give you a very scientific word for that. You're more than six feet, that's why I did that. Tonight we need to pray. And the Scripture says you need to pray in secret, but as a church... As a church, we pray corporately. We pray as a body. We pray together. Someone may come down to this altar and they may be broken on the inside. And they may not know what to do. They may not know the words to say in prayer. They may feel like heavens are brass and their prayer is not getting up. Do you? And I've been there, Brother Jim, I've been there and just felt like just praying was no use. And then somebody come up behind me. 
put their hand on me. Or somebody come and I could hear somebody else saying, God, we ask you to touch Brother Jamie. You know what that does? That kind of helps my faith. It kind of helps the words to come. Quite often, Brother Eric, I stop praying and just let my heart do the communicating with God and hope they're praying for the same thing I'm praying for. But God knows the intents of our hearts. We need to help one another when we pray. We pray corporately. But then he says this, and I've got to be careful with this. He says that we ought to, help me where we at in verse number 7, but when ye pray... Use not vain repetitions as the heathens do. Hmm. What is this? Well, specifically right here, he's speaking to the Pharisees. And he's telling them, basically, you're wasting your breath. All you're doing is saying words, but he says you're saying too many words just like the heathen do. You remember a good a good example of the heathen were those that were worshippers of Baal. And uh, they went to the mountain. They built an altar. They had fire or they had uh, a wood and they had an, an, an a sacrifice. But what did they do? They kept screaming and hollering and getting up on the altar, asking their God to rain down fire on the altar that they were standing on. They took stones and cut themselves, trying to convince their God to answer their prayers. It was a multitude of words that was unnecessary. We see the, we see the, the opposite of that when Elijah said a 63-word prayer. He didn't use a whole lot of words. He didn't cut himself. He didn't jump up and down. He didn't get on top of the altar. But what he did is he used words spoken to God. And in faith, believing that what he asked would happen. When he said amen, you know what happened, Brother Jody? The fire fell. And it didn't just fall, but it licked up the sacrifice the altar, all the water that was put around it. You see, when we do pray, it's not just empty words. It's, it should not be vain repetitions. Sometimes we're all guilty of this. Hungry, 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 hungry. We finally get our food. Lord bless this food in Jesus' name, amen. Well, first of all, and again, I'm guilty. I wonder if God even heard us. Do we really get in the posture of prayer when we say, Lord bless the Father in Jesus' name, amen? No, I kind of wonder about that. He says that we ought not use vain repetition. Now, I told you i got to be careful. Here's why. And I'm not picking on anybody. I want you to hear me. And hear me well. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not being critical to anybody. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. These vain repetitions. 
It means idle babbling or saying the same words over and over again. Now, I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a minute. But Jesus, in chapter 26 of Matthew, the Bible says that he prayed the third time. Verse number 44, Matthew 26, 44. Jesus, in verse 44, left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same word. So I, don't, I do not want you to say, well, preacher got up there and said we ought not say the same things over again. Preacher got up there and said that we every single prayer needs to be different and we can't repeat our request. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Jesus had a request. Jesus was asking God to touch and to intervene. He said, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but thine be done. So Jesus at least three times asked this prayer. The same words, brother. And so if you've got a prayer on your heart and you keep going to God and you keep asking God to save this person or to provide for this need or to heal this item, this, where even Paul says, I, I sought the Lord thrice for this thorn in the flesh. So three different times he prayed the same thing. Lord, let this, this thorn get out of my side. So what am I saying? Remember the definition, this vain repetitions. It is idle babbling or saying the same words over and over again. Matthew Henry said that that verse 44 of Matthew 26 was quite different than the barren and dry going over of the same things again and again merely to drill out the prayer to such a length and to make a show of affection when really there is none. Prior to Matthew Henry's words there, he talked about the the papal ministers, those Catholic priests, popes, whatever you call them, he said they said they have those prayer beads and they say the same words over and over and over again, hoping that it'll work. They say the same prayers, exactly the same, over and over again. Matthew Henry said that they, they were just barren and dry words. There's no soul in them. There's no heart in them. So that's one example of, of this idle babbling is that we are, uh, too often we are guilty of, of just saying a manufactured prayer. How many times, let's go back to the blessing. How many times do we say, Lord bless this food and bless to the nourishment of our bodies? How many people, you really use nourishment in everyday walk of life? How many people when you pray, Use words like thee, thou, thine. A lot of times we do, but we don't use that type of word when we're talking to one another. Lord, let thine will be done unto me. And Lord, we thank thee for all that thou hast done. Well, that's wonderful. It's English. But are we just trying to impress God? I wonder, Kurt, if God might be more impressed with words kind of like Peter said, Lord, save me. 
I wonder if I might be better if we just get down to business with God and said, God, look, I got a whole dictionary in my back pocket. I can say a whole lot of words, but look in here. Here's my need. Here's what I stand in need of. Here's my heart. God is broken in two. I'm laying it down. Will you help me? I believe he'd probably be a lot more pleased with that than he would some flowery words. Y'all still with me? I'll give you one last example of these idle, idle words. And again, I'm guilty. Sometimes we pray and we'll say, Lord, dear Heavenly Father, we ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to touch us, dear, dear God in heaven. We pray that today, Lord, you'd bless us in our offering. And Lord God, we pray that you'd bless us. And, and we just keep saying God's name over and over again. And I just have to wonder if God's like saying, you've got my attention. You called my name first. Quit saying my name. Brother Jim, if we ever have a conversation and I say, Hey, Brother Jim, maybe it's on the phone. Hey, Brother Jim, just call and check and see how you're feeling today, Brother Jim. And I just want to, Brother Jim, just want to make sure, Brother Jim, that you're doing all right, Brother Jim. Wouldn't you call the police or the ambulance or the crazy folks for me? Well, it's no difference when we pray. We, we sometimes do the same thing. And again, I'm not being critical because I've done it. And sometimes it's nerves. But I, I, I encourage all of us when we pray to address God. He, he gives us, He gives us an example in these next few verses. He gives us an example. He says, Our Father, that's who we're talking to, Brother Terry. Our Father, nowhere in those verses does He go back and say, Our Father, Our Father, Our Father, Our Father. Sometimes I wonder when we pray if we're just trying to remember all the names of God. Dear Elohim, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Shalom. Those are all great names, but you've already got his attention. So, he says we ought to, we ought to avoid vain, vain repetitions. That was point one. Next, and again, if you're taking notes, that was Jesus taught it. Next, Jesus had an example, or Jesus' example. In Matthew chapter number 14, I got five minutes for three more pages. Y'all bear with me. Matthew 14, verse 23. And when He had sent the multitudes away, this is Jesus. He had sent the multitudes away. He had been out all day. He had just heard of Jesus, or excuse me, John the Baptist beheading. So he tried to get away by himself. A great multitude followed him. He began to heal their sick. He began to help them. Evening came. They were hungry. So he fed the 5,000 with those few fish and those few loaves. And then finally in verse 23, he sent the multitudes away. He went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. And so Jesus Himself prayed. He says He prayed alone. Not only that, but in verse, or excuse me, Matthew 26, verse 37, 36. Then cometh Jesus unto them, unto a place, with them, unto a place called Gethsemane. Okay, you know what's happening here, now that you know this garden's name. And saith unto His disciples, Sit ye here, while I go and pray yonder. Again, Jesus is giving us an example 
of praying. He prays alone. He had a company of people, but still he he removed himself and prayed. Now, later he came back and he said, what, can you not pray with me for? Luke chapter number 6, verse number 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. He said, preacher, you're talking crazy now. Talking about praying all night long. Well, it might do us okay to try it once. It might do us good to try to pray all night. Why do we do these things? Because Jesus taught it. Because Jesus was an example of praying. But then, again, quickly, Peter, Peter taught it. First Peter chapter number four, verse number seven. But the end of all things is at hand. He said it is coming down to a pin point in. He said, but all, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. This word watch, it means to calm. It means to be collected in spirit. The word unto, it means towards or for, for the purpose. He says, I want you to, if I could rephrase it like this, I want you to be calm and collected in spirit towards or for the reason of prayer. Peter says that we need to pray. We're coming down to the end of this thing and we need to pray. We need to be ready to pray. Peter was an example of prayer. In Acts chapter number 3. Acts chapter number 3, verse number 1. He says, Now Peter and John went up together in the temple, or into the temple, at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Why do you think they would go up to the temple at the time of prayer? To pray. You can continue to read. You can see that there was a miracle that happened there. But the instance in verse number 1 is that they not only taught, but they were teaching by example. He went up to pray. A few chapters later, we see in Acts chapter number 10, verse number 9. It says, On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the, unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop, to pray about the sixth hour. Now, if you continue to read, you'll find that Peter was sent a vision from God. How did that happen? He prayed. Sometimes we ask God, I just want to hear from you. And sometimes that's all of all, all the prayer that we give. God I just want to hear from heaven. Well, there's, 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 there's two roads or two paths on this road. There's a path of prayer and that's you giving your request. That's you communicating with God. And then that's reading the Word of God. And that's Him talking to you. Now, I'll be honest with you. Not with an audible voice. Don't look at me like I got three heads. But there have been a few times that I have prayed for a need and felt that comforter that Jesus Christ told us about in John chapter 14. 
I've been praying and pouring my heart out to God. And all of a sudden, that comforter came in and said, Hey, you don't worry about this. Or, Hey, I've got the need handled. Hey, here, and begins to work in my heart. You see, tonight, this idea of prayer, it was taught by Jesus Christ. He gave us an example. It was taught by Peter. He gave us examples. Paul taught about uh, prayer. Let's go to Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 18. He says, praying always. He just given this great uh, armor. And he finishes it up with this. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So Paul taught that we ought to pray. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Colossians chapter number 4. This is Paul teaching now. He says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. You don't have to turn there, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17. Three word verse. Pray without ceasing. Paul gave us an example, though, of his own praying. You know it. And at midnight, Acts chapter 16, verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. So Paul not only taught about it, but he was an example of prayer. James, you remember old brother James. Brother James said there in... The book of James, chapter number 5, verse number 16. Let's go back to verse number 15. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Verse number 16. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. He goes on and says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Why do we pray in our church services? James taught it. Paul taught it. Peter taught it. Jesus taught it. Now, you got to understand this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the first chapter of Acts. Those are all... New Testament books, but they were written under the law. Y'all following me? Jesus hadn't been crucified until the end of all those books. He hadn't resurrected until the end of all those books. Now I realize they were written after He was resurrected, but the happenings were while they were still under the law. That's why they were going to the synagogue in the ninth hour or at the sixth hour. That's why they were, he was dealing with the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees because they were written under the law. Now, now we see, this is last, the church example. 
of praying. Acts chapter number 4, verse number 31. Acts chapter number 4, verse number 31. The church as a body is a new organism. And they are hearing things and they are seeing things that they've never seen. They have never heard before. Acts chapter number 4, verse number 31. And when they... The church... How do we know? Well, it says in verse 23, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. Verse number 31, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. This was the church's example. They met together. The Bible said that they assembled together and they prayed. Now, I'll give you one last example of the church. Acts chapter number 12, verse number 5. Peter. Peter was in prison. But something was happening. Acts chapter 12, verse number 5. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but... Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for Him. So, we have another example. I feel a pretty clear-cut example of what the church ought to do when they assemble together. They ought to pray. And so, when someone says, why do you start your services off in prayer? Why do you pray when you take up offering? Why do you pray when the preacher starts his reading? Why do you pray at the end of the service or whatever it may be? It's because we have good teaching by Jesus Himself, by Peter, by Paul, by James. But every one of them gives us, gives us examples but not only do they give us examples, the very church itself gives us an example of how and why we ought to pray. So, I'll just give you what's coming up, and y'all can choose to be here next Wednesday night or not. Next is tithes and offerings. That is what comes next in our service on Sunday morning, right? We pray... We take up tithes. What happens next? Well, we begin to sing. Then we have preaching. Maybe sometimes we have testifying. Then that invitation. And then we get to have fellowship. And so just kind of keep that in mind. Next Wednesday night, Lord willing, everybody put on your your adult clothing. Make sure you bring your shield. And we'll talk about tithes and offerings. Alright, let's stand tonight.